All right. Good evening, everyone. While the offering's being taken, we're going to go ahead and uh, begin. And current events tonight, I'm going to be weaving in the current events during um, our study tonight, because we're going to be talking uh, in the Middle East, and um, there's really not a lot going on in the Middle East, is there? Okay, well, there is. Oh, okay, there is. All right, there's a lot going on in the Middle East, so we can talk about that. Um, But I'm going to take a few minutes to um, share just a little bit um, about me. I think it's important to know who the speaker is a little bit and give some information. Is that all right? All right, I'm Grant. Let's begin. Okay, all right. I'm just kidding, semi-kidding. All right. Um, For those of you who don't know, um, well, you probably don't know, Um, Kelly and I, my wife, we have two children, 29, and my daughter's almost 26. She's engaged to be married. My son moved back to Fort Myers, Florida about a year ago. We moved back to Michigan about two years ago to take care of her mother. We were out in California, and uh, we moved back. She, her mother was diagnosed with dementia. He said, do not move her out to California. She just, the new surroundings would just totally wipe her out. So we... Uh, we were about a mile from the, on the ocean uh, in Southern California. And uh, Michigan doesn't have an ocean. I don't know if you guys know that. I just, it's, there's, not, there's lakes everywhere, but they freeze over. So we moved back. I grew up in Michigan, um, west side at first, and then about 10 years there. And then my dad had a church in Plymouth, Michigan, which is right kind of maybe 20 minutes northeast of Ann Arbor, about 30 minutes west of um, Detroit. So I grew up Assemblies of God, Spirit-filled home, church. Um, my mom and dad met Bible College, North Central Bible College, um, in Minneapolis, Minnesota. It's still there today. And the Assemblies of God, Church of God are very similar. Um, if, if you guys, I know some people, I think you have staff members here also, Assemblies of God, um, or the Assemblies of God background and several people. Even Deborah, who opened up in prayer tonight, is back on. And don't hold that against her. We're Assemblies of God, so... Somebody's God. So believe in all the gifts of the Holy Spirit. Uh, believe in the pre-tribulation rapture, not because my denomination does, because the Bible says so. You know, and that's one of the things where, you know what, many, many people, many people belong to a denomination, right? You go to a denominational church. Regardless of whatever happens in my denomination, I will always stick with the word. Okay, not everybody's stuck with that. Okay, regardless... Uh, whatever happens to any denomination, I will always stick with the word. Amen. The word never changes denominations. It's religion. They always change. They always change, everyone. It's always changed. So um, I was uh, 17 years old, went into the United States Air Force, got married. Kelly and I were uh, married. Her parents came to the Lord at my dad's church. Um, so met Kelly. We were at a high school, about 6,000 people, and... Um, Started going to church, married. I came back on leave. We got married. I was 19 years old. We've been married for almost 33 years consecutively. Yeah, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. God's really done a work in her, though. I mean, whew, it was, she was tough some of those years. It was tough. Uh, my dad, his church, when we were um, probably till came back, and at 26, he moved to the east side of the state, took a church that he'd been at for 17 years, but um, during my 20s, 
there's many different words, I believe. There's biblical words from backsliding, falling away. You know, you know what those words are, right? Some people call it a hiatus from Jesus, whatever that case may be for you. Um, but I was not serving the Lord. And Penny could say, well, you were just taking a break. Well, long break. And it's not that I was out cheating on my wife or doing anything like that. It's just, you know, just because you don't commit open sins that everyone can see doesn't mean your heart is after Jesus. Okay, all right, all right. So uh, I had a praying wife. Um, I went from the United States Air Force. I was a computer communications degree. Came out, was working for EDS. Uh, that was Ross Perot. You guys remember Ross Perot in the 1988 election, right? EDS, right? Um, so I worked for that corporation. I went back and forth from between Dallas and Michigan when I got out of the United States Air Force. And uh, went in from there into finance. And then I was a general contractor. I started uh, GC, about 130 homes. I did underground, did apartments, did condos. And life was good financially, we're coaching the kids. But Kelly and I, well, I say Kelly and I, I was not the best person in the world. Does anyone contest that they've always never been not the best person in the world? Anyone? You haven't always been far today, right? So I had a praying wife. Um, we were going to a church after my dad left the year. We went to another Assemblies of God church. And I, was, I found myself infrequently going because when your parents aren't around, even as an adult, you act differently, don't you? I don't care how old you are, when your parents are around, you act differently, right? So, um, <laughs> at age 29, um, I found myself um, on a Sunday. I wasn't going to go to church that day. I had some open houses. And uh, Kelly was heavily involved in the church with youth and doing other things. And my kids were six and three at the time. And very healthy. We actually had a, our whole basement was a gym. We went to the Arnold Classic all the time in Columbus, Ohio. And it was just, you know, we had the big house and all the cars. And there's nothing wrong with houses and cars. That doesn't mean you're not following Jesus. But that was the only thing I was after. And I had no allergies, had nothing. And I woke up and I was having a problem breathing. And Kelly goes, I, she was looking at me. She goes, your face doesn't look that great. And I went, I don't know what that means, but thank you. I appreciate that. She goes, no, it looks pale. It looks pale. I go, well, I'm having problems breathing. So she took me to an urgent care facility that was actually down the street in Farmington Hills, Michigan. And she dropped me off at the door, and I could barely walk. So thank you very much for that. And uh, the kids were with her. By the time she got in, maybe about four or five minutes later, I had gone into cardiac arrest two different times, nitroglycerin in my pillow. They were zipping me out the back door in an ambulance. So um, she followed me to two additional hospitals within three hours. I had six blood clots in my lungs. I had a pulse ox in the 30s. They told me I was going to die. Um, the first three days in ICU, seven of the 14 people died in my hallway. And I was the youngest by about 50 years. And I was not going to make it. So the doctor, I, after about three days, I said, well, can I go home? He goes, you should be dead. Please don't move. So they strapped me down because I wanted to move by blood clots, right? I mean, you you got to thin these things out. You got to take a while. So um, I spent three weeks in ICU. And you know, you know the story of Jonah and the whale? You know when God got Jonah's attention wasn't before the whale. It was in the belly of a whale. I spent three weeks in the belly of that hospital. And God got my attention. He said, what are you doing? 
And I said, well, you know where I'm at? He goes, no, what are you doing with your life? And I go, well, he goes, I want you to go into ministry. And I go, well, I don't want to go into ministry. My dad was in ministry, and people aren't nice. <laughs> not you, of course, not you. No. It's just only this church. They're all perfect. Everybody's just great. But if you've, been in, if you've been in church for at least a day or so, you probably know that not everyone in church is the nicest people in the world, right? They're nice if you pass them in the hallway and you don't know them. They're very nice. But as a pastor's kid, watching what happens and the dynamics of what it can happen to, uh, you know, a family in a church. So, you know what, let me stop right here. Love on your pastor and his wife and his kids. Because they see you as family. And you treat family, right? How, how are you treating people? So, um, God got a hold of me. I got out. Okay, God, what do you want me to do? So I'm changing things, and I'm, I left this company I was with building. I started my own construction company, and I'm, life was good. And it's like, okay, and then God said, start going to school. So I'm going to school. Somebody said, God, I didn't want to tell Kelly because who, that's not fair to her. She didn't marry someone who wanted to go in the ministry, right? That's not fair. So I don't want to tell her. So about a year later, she found, the, um, she found study materials in my office at home. I had an office um, downtown Birmingham, but I also had an office. And she said, what are you doing? I said, oh, boy, um, I think I'm going to, I think God called me into ministry, but I'm just checking it out. And she said, four years ago, I have four witnesses. God told me you're supposed to go into ministry, and you don't want to. So two years later, I had shut down a, I finished a subdivision I was building, and her and I sold everything. We moved to Fort Myers, Florida. And um, from there, our journey began in ministry almost 20 years ago. I'm not telling you to follow Christ. You all have to quit your job and go into full-time ministry. I'm telling you the best thing to do to follow Christ is to quit doing whatever he tells you to quit doing and do whatever he's telling you to do full-time. Whether it's a career, whether it's loving your wife, whether it's loving your husband, whether it's loving your kids, whether it's being there for your kids, whether it's your job, you can even keep your job, but make your family more important than your job. But it's for the Lord. Your family, you know what? God understands that your family comes first. It's first God and then your family. God, family, God, family, God, family. You know that he can provide a lot more things than you think that you can. You don't have to skip your family to provide. Because then you're taken out of God's hand. So I just want you to know a little bit background on me, where we got in. And uh, because I didn't leave anything for all financial gains of ministry. <laughs> I'm not bad-mouthing that at all. I'm just trying to tell you, everyone, just because there's less money where God's calling you to go doesn't mean you're not supposed to go. God can move you in a place where it's the best for you and for him, for the kingdom, for the plans that he has for you and for your family. Don't be afraid to move. Don't be afraid to do something different when God's telling you to do it. Amen? Amen. Okay. Now, last night... Uh, when we began, I just wanted to show you real quick. Some people have asked and, you know, on Monday night about just some information on the website. I know it's in the back page of the handout last night and tonight. There was a new handout tonight when you came in, and, and this is part three tonight. We'll finish up part two, and we'll do part three. And, <clears throat> but this is just the, a picture of the, the home page on the website. Just so you know, there's obviously the conference we're doing here right now. As you scroll down, there's three big buttons there. 
and those are current series or current events videos at the top. You can look at every single week, but not this last week and this week. I do 30 to 45 minutes right online, and I'm do what's going on in the world through the, through the filter of Scripture. Through the filter of Scripture. I'm not giving you updates on um, the Tennessee scores. I'm not doing that. I'm not, I'm not doing that. It scrolls at the bottom, though. No, I'm just kidding. There's not that information on there. But um, like what we're doing right now, those will be on next week. Those will be, it'll be edited down. All the Bible verses will be on the screen. I know you're live streaming, but that will be on there as well. All the notes will be on there as well. So you can upload the notes and look at it on a split screen. You can watch the video and scroll through the notes. They'll be on there as well. Then when you go through there, each, each series that I do on Sunday nights, I have home office um, studies as well in series. Everything is on there. You can play the video right from the website or on Facebook. And then you scroll down in the information part of that video, and the notes are there. You click on the notes, boom. So if you want to do a study from it, your home study, if you want to use it for a small group study, all the notes, everything is free. I, they're, they're, everything is free on it. So these are current events. You tap on these pictures, and it'll take you to the story of that, maybe three or four paragraphs summarizing the current event from Times of Israel, Jerusalem Post, BBC, NBC, CBS, CNN, whatever, Fox News, whoever is putting it out if I think it's a valid story. <laughs> just because the news puts it out doesn't mean it's real. Okay? Just because the news puts it out. So I'll crisscross that with four or five different, but I like to show people, oh, even if you think what I'm telling you is false about Israel, even the godless media is reporting. Right? The godless media says this is true, so I'm telling you through the lens of filter, through the filter of Scripture, here's in the Bible, this is why this is important. So you'll see that on there as well. You can get all this information. These are the current event videos that are gone out every week. And I'll shoot those green screen in different places. There's video clips and different things all the single time that you watch that. There's the website right there, but that's on the back of your handout tonight and last night. And then there's a Facebook group that you can join. And I just put out articles all the time and videos of just current events that's going on. And I just want you to know that what's going on in the world. Oh, no, there we go. Let's not do that right now. Okay. What's going on? It's not doom and gloom, everyone. Okay, four of you. All right. <laughs> the rest of you are like, what are you talking about? It's going to be okay. You stick with Jesus. You stick with the word, and Jesus is the word. You stick. When people say, I'm following Jesus, that means you're following the word. A lot of people say, oh, I'm with Jesus, but is he with you? Because of this, the word has to be hid in your heart, so you would not what? I don't sin against him. But if you do, he is faithful and just to forgive you. Don't live in the spirit of condemnation, right? He didn't give us that, but he said, stop doing what you've been doing. <laughs> okay. It's one of the, you know what, church, guys, just stop it, right? Just stop it. You got to stop what we're doing. So take your notes out, though, from last night. Take your notes out from last night, and we're going to finish up a couple things from week two, from part two, from part two. A lot of what we did last night is foundational. Um, Sunday night, part one, we looked at the book of Daniel, understanding the beast systems, right? What's a beast system? What is a beast? 
And it is, remember, a beast or an empire system. And all throughout Daniel and the book of Revelation, depending on translation you have, we'll use beast or empire. The beast systems, one through eight in Revelation, is just, once again, the beast system is Assyria, Egypt, one and two. Number three is Babylon. That's the time of Daniel. He was writing from the third beast system. Daniel is at number one because it's number one from when he's alive, but he knows Assyria and Egypt already passed. The second beast system from Daniel or the fourth from the time of Revelation would be the Media Persian Empire. Then you have the Grecian Empire, Alexander the Great. Daniel tells us where the false, um, sorry, the, the false prophet and the Antichrist, the Antichrist comes out of the area of Iraq, Lebanon, and Syria. We'll talk about that more tonight. Sixth empire by prophecy, or the fourth that Daniel talks about, because he skipped over Assyria and Egypt, he didn't need to mention that, is the Roman Empire. That the New Testament is written from the Roman Empire, which is the sixth beast of Bible prophecy. So in Revelation, I'm just, this is just recapping everyone, because we don't have time in five days to go over the whole Bible. Okay? So I was like, Lord, what, what do you want me to go over? And there's key things and principles in the Bible that he goes, I command you to know this. So in five days, it's like, here, let's understand the beast system. Because now when you study the book of Revelation, I don't want anyone think or looking for a seven-headed monster coming out in Revelation 13. And I saw a seven-headed monster coming out. It's Godzilla coming out of the Mediterranean. Nope. No. It's the seventh empire government system from Bible prophecy that Daniel talked about and John saying. After the rapture of the church, seven-year peace treaty is signed, and boom, all of a sudden the seventh empire is created in, and it's going to come rising up in the Lebanon, Syria, and Iraq area. I'm sorry, um, yeah, Lebanon, Syria, and Iraq. The eighth empire is the last 42 months, and I know that because John says it. The seventh empire or seventh beast is the first 42 months, and that's where the two witnesses and a revelation go on. And then the last 42 months is the Eighth Empire. At the, eight, at the end of the Eighth Empire, the Stone Age begins. And that's Jesus comes down, the stone that the builder rejected, right? And he crushes the Ten Kings and the Battle of Armageddon and all those things. But it's very important to understand. You, when you start understanding the beast systems, and it's just a religion and a government all throughout time, you can understand Revelation a lot easier. It's just when you start reading, it's like, okay, it's just a government religion, and this is who it is. All right. So then last night, the foundation of Peter, Paul, Jude, and John all referenced the never wrong prophets. Now, when I say never wrong prophets, I'm referring to, right, the prophets who foretold the time of the end events. Everyone understand that? The prophets of the old foretelling the end time events. Peter, Paul, Jude, and John said, go listen to the never wrong prophets about the time of the end events. Everyone with me on that? Because why did, they tell, why did they tell the New Testament church to go read the Old Testament prophets? Because they were never wrong. The Old Testament prophets foretold what would happen at the time of the end, and when you listen to people online or other, wherever you want to listen to them, if they're telling you something different about the time of the end, and they're wrong. <laughs> because if it's different than God's word, it's wrong. Just because you don't see it yet, if it's contrary to God's word, it's still wrong. 
Faith comes by hearing and hearing the word. If it doesn't line up with the word and what the prophets already said, if you've already seen it come true, it's established where Jesus would be born and where's all it's gone, they've already been proven to be correct. So what else does Ezekiel and Daniel and Jeremiah and Isaiah have to say about the time of the end events? Once again, I was born in a spirit-filled home. I believe in prophecy. I believe there's individual prophecy. I believe in all the offices. What we're talking about is end-time prophecy events, and you can't change what's already been written. Can't change it. Okay. <laughs> You're all like, well, but what if we changed it a little bit? No, you can't change it. I want a Bible written in pencil. You can't. <laughs> a lot of people try, though, don't they? A lot of people try to delete and erase things in God's word, and it's not true. Top of page 18. Top of page 18. We finished with 2 Peter chapter 3. Peter said, I don't, you know, he said, scoffers and mockers are going to come inside what? Inside where? The church. People are going to be scoffing and mocking people in the church about the end time events. Remember, Peter's addressing the question from the New Testament church because the Romans were killing Christians and Jews. They were taxing them. They were being unfair. They were killing them. They were slaughtering them. And they're going, and Jesus just went away. They're going, this has to be the, the tribulation. The Bible tells us how the government in the world, the media, education, is going to be treating Jews and Christians at the time will be very similar to the Roman Empire. That's, that's another clue that that's what we're going through. I'm a Christian. Oh, you are. Mm, it's too bad. You know why people don't like to tell other people they're Christian? Because they're going to treat you differently. They're going to treat you differently. Paul even told Timothy, at the time of the end, it's going to be very difficult to be a Christian. And I'm not telling you to go to work tomorrow with, I'm a Christian t-shirt on with a hat and say, fire me. <laughs> because we still have to be light in a dark place, don't we? I'm not saying hide. I'm not saying cower. I'm not saying join the crowd. I'm saying is, Lord, give me wisdom how to still be light in a dark place. I'm not asking you guys, because well, we're going to read this tonight, but here, I'm gonna, I, okay, I'm going to jump ahead a little bit. Mm -hmm. You know when Jesus prayed, he said, Father, I'm not asking you, he's talking about end time stuff, I'm not asking you to remove them. He said, I'm asking you to be with them until the time of the end. He's not saying, hey, everyone, <laughs> thanks a lot, let's just get out of here. No, 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 no. Until the rapture comes or until you die, he said, man, I want you going out. And he goes, and you're going to be a sacrifice for me. You're going to sacrifice yourself for me. No one likes to hear that, do they? <laughs> well, what does that look like? It doesn't mean get fired from every single job you can. <laughs> okay. You would not believe some times. Pastor, I did what you said. I got fired today for being a Christian. I go, what? What did you do? I came in late. I was like, oh, come on, man. Oh. Bible's very clear in what even it looks like for a Christian to work for a non-Christian boss. We should be working harder than anyone else. Because I'm not working for them. I'm working for him. <laughs> See how all the Bible is just talking about today? I mean, it is. It's just, it doesn't matter. It's not the end of time. You know what? 40 years ago, the Bible was talking about 40 years ago. 40 years ago, the Bible was talking about 40 years ago. Because I'm not promised tomorrow. 
It's telling you how to live every single day of your life and ready for the rapture of the church. Because not just the alive ones at the time of the rapture get to go up. Who else goes up? The ones that are dead. <laughs> uh, I know, no one wants to die before the rapture. I know, I know, I know. Okay, here we go. Page 18. So the things Peter warned us and instructed the church to be aware of is confirmed with the Old Testament writers as well. The New Testament is not something, just because it's new, doesn't mean they scrap the old. Mm. Ooh, no one likes to hear that. It's like, wait, who cares about the Old Testament? Huh? That's what the New Testament's about, clarifying the old. Ezekiel chapter 36 tells us at the end of time, Ezekiel, Ezekiel, what, he was a pastor, now what? A prophet. And why is he considered a prophet? Because he was never wrong. Prophets about the end of time, foretelling what would take place at the end of time. He's never wrong. So we know it is speaking of the end of time from the previous chapters, and there was a reference that I gave you, and um, throughout, um, you'll see Ezekiel, there's chapters 34, 35, 36. It's chronological order of the events leading up to from the time that Israel became a nation again, from the Holocaust, and all the things that followed that, Ezekiel nailed it in order. In order. In order. We know it's right. From the news of the Palestinians will be constantly bringing an evil report. Did you know that's in Ezekiel? So the Palestinians continuously bringing an evil report about Israel. You can't do that about Israel unless Israel's a nation again, can you? So 2,600 years ago, Ezekiel said, here's a sign. Israel's going to be a nation again, and they're not going to be walled. Because back in the old days, old, 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 old days, they had little walls and villages everywhere. Now you can go anywhere you want to. Boom, boom, boom. You're just driving around, right? Boom. Matter of fact, there's people, prophecy, prophetically, they're coming back to Russia and Ethiopia. Boom. There's been airlifts in the 80s and the 90s, and just last year, over 3,000 Jews came back from Ethiopia as the Bible said they would, coming back to Israel where Israel's being surrounded just as the Bible said they would. So they know it's going to happen and they want to be there for it. It's like the, okay. the Jews who missed it the first time, they're getting what's going on now and the church is going, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. Who could really know? Well, I command you to know, Matthew 24, 33. I command you to know command you to know what's going on. So Ezekiel, he actually said, they're going to want to divide the land into divisions. Now, part of the study that I do, I do like a 12, 14-week study on this, and you're going to go like, oh my goodness, I, I can't believe all of this stuff was spoken of by the never-wrong prophet. He told you in detail what was going to happen. So everything in the book of Ezekiel about the war of Gog and Magog will stem from the Palestinian conflict. You know, it's not because the PLL, the Palestinians... They're not having a great battle or a great war. They're not having artillery come in. People are joining Palestinians. Who's joining the Palestinians? Turkey, Iran, Russia. They're all getting up. You know what? There is people all throughout the United States on college campuses that are for Palestinians, and they're not even Palestinians. So the United States forever written 
were for Israel. But all of a sudden, wait, hold on. We're supposed to be for Israel hmm, as a nation. Now, above what our nation says, as a believer, as a Christian, follower of Jesus Christ, I'm supposed to be for Israel. Regardless of what the United States does, who's ever in charge, who's ever, biblically, and this is why I don't understand, I don't, I don't, I don't get this, when a pastor will vote contrary to Israel. Because it says, I will bless those who bless Israel. That's not negotiable. Well, I don't know about that. It's in God's word. So if you will, if you will negotiate away that, what else will you negotiate against? There are things in the Bible... This isn't about, I have communion every other Sunday. I have communion on the Thursday. I have communion, and we don't wear suits. We wear jeans. This, that's not in there. But I bless those who bless Israel is in there. See, it's, isn't it interesting? Since the beginning of time, he told us how to vote. That hasn't changed. God's word's the same yesterday, today, and forever. As a believer... I will bless you if you bless Israel. No, nah, I don't think so. <clears throat> don't bless me. Hmm. Then it's, wow, it's happening, everyone. 53% of evangelicals, claiming evangelicals, last four presidential elections have voted for the party who's against Israel. Over half of the church, 57 or 54%, of evangelical pastors vote against Israel. And you want to know why we're not talking about Israel? Because half of the people don't want to hear it. You know why you don't want to hear it? Because the person is supposed to be telling you to vote for Israel. Why? Because God said so. I will bless you if you bless Israel. Because all of a sudden we just had a big vacuum take place against Israel. And why did that happen? Because we voted against Israel. Things are happening. You know what? It didn't matter if God says, in Daniel, he says, I raise kings up and I depose them. I do believe, because I be it's biblical, that regardless of who you voted for, if God said it was time for President Trump to be removed, because I need Israel surrounded, he will remove them. Because Benjamin Netanyahu got removed 143 days later. It's not a coincidence that the only two people left in this free world, the only two people that probably would have stopped an attack on Israel, just got removed. Why? Because these things have to happen just the way God said they would for God's word to be true. So praise God, you voted for Israel. Praise God, you voted for the sanctity of marriage. Praise God, you voted for life. But that doesn't mean you get to put off the rapture. All right? So... I know it can be frustrating when you don't get what you want, right? But think about it. It's not about what I want. It's what he wants. Because he said, I got, the shaking has to take place. The shaking. A shaking has to go on so the church wakes up to my word that I'm coming back. So the battle of Gog and Magog, the second paragraph on the bottom, is found in Ezekiel's chapter 38 and 39. All of these nations you see in the news continuously, not just at the UN, but in general, Every, every single of these nations is listed is against Israel right now. They're getting ready to attack Israel. Syria, they're to the north, they're to the south. They're doing naval practices and exercises in the west. 
But these passages found on page 19 in our notes, the war of God will take place after Israel is restored as a nation in 1948. These things will take place after. These are not pre-1948 because Israel's not a nation until 1948. You can't speak of a nation until it's a nation. Right? You can't speak of it. So he goes, hey, when Israel becomes a nation again, boom, 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 watch these things happen. It's like, oh, Holocaust happened, this happened, this happened. Oh, a six-day war happened. And this happened, and this happened. And oh, wait, in the 80s and 90s, all of them started coming back. They all started coming back to Israel, just as the Bible said they would. The people of Israel today, bottom of page 18, they're living in cities with unwalled villages, just as he said in Ezekiel 38:11. There's no to enter cities. I'm not talking about checkpoints to get into Israel. There's checkpoints to get into a lot of different places, except for the border. <laughs> you can't even get into Canada. We live in the Detroit area, 35 minutes from Canada in Windsor. I don't know if you guys have ever been in that area. And back 30 years ago, I lived in, I, where I worked in downtown Birmingham, I would actually go get barbecue. I would just go over into Canada. You could take a bridge or you go under a tunnel, boom, go to Canada, I'd come back for lunch. Now I get strip searched to go into Canada and they want to know what my business is in Canada. I'm not, yeah, it's like, it's like. <laughs> In my natural self, most people don't go north for the winter. Come on. You think about what's going on in the country, right? It's not conspiracy, it's true, right? I mean, this is what's going on. But this, what Ezekiel is talking about, could not have happened in Ezekiel's day. Ezekiel, the plurality of scripture in Jeremiah and Isaiah, speaks to the nation of Israel at that time, but then they're also speaking of future events for Israel, of what's going to happen at the time of the end, for the church to recognize and understand, because the judgments in the last seven years of time, time of the end, as we know it in the tribulation, those judgments are coming upon Israel, and we're all going to watch it and see it. That's why it's always been about Israel, everyone. It's always been about Israel, and here is the blessing that it's always been about. Can I? Here's a blessing right, about Israel, and that it's not all about Tennessee. At the time of the end, Tennessee will be surrounded. Can you imagine if the Bible said that? They're all coming up from Georgia. <laughs> They're under attack. They're about to overtake Dollywood. Everyone run. All the horses, they just let them out of the Kentucky Derby, and they're all coming out towards us. If it's, you think about it, if, if all of these end-time events of being surrounded was happening into our own state, do you think we'd pay attention more? Of course we would. Here's a blessing. God chose Israel and not us. Thank God. Seriously. The blessing... And I'm going I'm to tell you, because in the midst of the chaos and like, oh, my, I, had, I can't even sleep at night. I, I just, I, oh, oh, boy, oh, boy. When's trash pickup day again? I just can't believe they changed it. I just can't. Yeah. Oh. Israel's being surrounded, and, the, and every single day they don't know if Hezbollah or Hamas is going to bomb them. They don't know if, if, if Iran's going to come in, and we're supposed to watch them. 
It doesn't take much to open up your Bible and look at the news and go, oh, Jesus is coming. Thank God you didn't have to open your front door and go, they're coming for me right now. There's a blessing that God said, it's Israel for you and I. But then we need to watch it. We need to watch what's going on in Israel because things are happening here to wake us up, but it's a lot better that it's happening over there. Thousands and thousands of miles away. Now, page 20. Page 20. Everyone good? You look a lot more spry tonight. <laughs> Several people after uh, church last night <clears throat> said, man, I, oh, it was great tonight. I go, oh, great, thank you. They said, you were so much slower than the night before. I went, oh. <laughs> so for those of you who said that, I'm going to speed up. But then you'll appreciate the times that I go slower. See, you'd have to have that balance, because then you'll just use the... But no, I'm kidding. I thank you. That was, that was very kind of you to point that out. I appreciate you. I'm, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. It was Deborah. Anyways, I'm kidding. Deborah. It, was, it wasn't Deborah. It was, it was Dan. Anyway, sorry. <laughs> Passages in Ezekiel, they set us up for the last days, time of the end, the time we're living in right now. Why do I like to read the never wrong prophet Ezekiel? He's speaking about the time of the end, the days in which we're living. I want to know about the days that we're living. Why do I want to know about the days that we're living? Because yesterday doesn't matter anymore, and today matters a lot more than yesterday. Everyone? Do not keep thinking about yesterday. And that's a general statement from the Bible. I'm a new creature in Christ. All things are gone, done. And I'm not going to worry about tomorrow because worries it's got enough worries of its own, right? God, tell me today, what do I need to do? Boom. Go. Second Peter said, go read the prophets. Jude, go read the prophets. Peter, go read the prophets. John, go read the prophets. About what? The time of the end events. Ezekiel 38, 2. Son of man, set your face against Gog, the land of Magog, the prince of Rosh, Mishosh, or Meshach, in Tubal, a prophecy, prophesy against him. Okay, also Ezekiel 39, chapter 39 kicks off. Therefore, son of man, prophesy against Gog. Say thus, saith the Lord, behold, I'm against you, Gog, chief prince, chief prince of Meshach and Tobol. There's some key words in there that I know we like to key in on certain areas, but then there's also words that tell us who this leader is going to be. And no, Gog is not Putin. Has anyone ever tried to figure out who the Antichrist is going to be? Anyone? Come on. Everyone? Yeah, yeah. You know, because, right, because, right, so 666, right? Remember, 666, right? Forever, I know back in the 80s, everyone thought it was Ozzy Osbourne, right? Because he had 666 across his log. It has to be Ozzy Osbourne. He can't even tie his shoes. I doubt it's him. Sorry, I was okay. So, it's not Ozzy Osbourne. Okay? Just because you write 666 on your forehead or on your hand, that doesn't mean anything. It might say, or it could be 99. It doesn't even matter. That has nothing to do with the end time events. That is it. People also got confused with 666 when they said, okay, so anyone that has six letters in their name, so Ronald Reagan, middle name Wilson, hmm, it must be him, right? Right? So you start adding up people's names and you start doing this, and everyone's trying to figure this stuff out. But the Bible tells us in Revelation 13, it's a man, it's going to be an Islamic man over the government coming down from here.
Lebanon and Syria, and a false prophet for an apostate Christian religion. It's two people. That's what the 666 represents. And it says you have to be a slave in order to buy, sell, or trade to that last beast system, right? That's what it says. So what is it? It represents 600, Kai, Christos, an anti-Christian religion. And it tells us the false prophet, Revelation 17, 18. Then is an Islamic man, 60, Zai, it's a symbol of Allah. It's, so the Bible tells it. This is not like, how are you just bringing up these numbers? It, because it tells me in Revelation 13, tells me in Daniel, tells me in Ezekiel. That's who these people are. Let he with understanding understand the image or the symbols of the beast system. That's what it means. It's going to be two people over this beast system. First Chronicles 5, 4. It speaks of this Gog. It's Gog, Gog is son. So it's like, wait, could this be it? No, that was a person. A prince, though, a prince. Ezekiel is talking about a chief prince of an area. Hmm. Hmm. Ezekiel 38, 14. Therefore, son of man, prophesy against unto Gog. In that day when people of Israel dwell safely, shall you not know it? Hmm. So when Israel's dwelling safely, so you have all these repeat people returning to Israel right now. Hmm. Do you know to get into or out of the Israeli airport is the most safest airport in the world? Israel's the most safest airport in the world. And I thought Detroit was pretty bad. I, I really do. I mean, I just show up in my Speedos because I know everything's going to have to come off anyways. It's just like, <laughs> fine, fine, I'm not taking anything. I'm not taking anything. Stop, please. Leave me alone. But Israel has the best technology to get in and off of a plane. Israel. It's a safe. Why would people moving back there if it's not safe? Well, look, all these people want to bomb them. Yeah, and they have an iron dome and David's slinging all these things to protect them with. Now, I'm not saying... It's like, oh, yeah, I just want to move to Idaho. I think it's a little bit bad. I'm saying this is a hot button. I, and I'm not picking on New Jersey, everyone, but Israel is the size of New Jersey. All of the problems in the world in the news talks about a landmass the size of New Jersey. Ezekiel said at the time of the end, everyone, Palestinians, and we'll get everyone else to talk evil against Israel. That doesn't make any sense, does it? In the natural. Why would this little teeny nation the size of New Jersey cause so much problem? Why? Because God said, I'm going to give you something to watch. That's it. What? Because the, that's my chosen people. They're the apple of my eye. And guess what? Because of that, you get to watch them, and it doesn't have to happen to you. But I'll give you signs... So you're not deceived and duped, but it's about Israel. This is, it's so big to understand what's going on here. It's like, this is about Israel, and I just have to watch what's going on and make sure I'm ready. Verse 15, next page. Thou shalt come to the place of the north parts, many people with thee, and then riding upon horses, great company, mighty army, and thou shalt come up against my people of Israel as a cloud and cover the land, and it shall be in the what days? The latter days, he's talking about the end of time. We know chronologically from chapters 35, 34, 36, 37, 
that is, it's after Israel becomes a nation again. It's after the Holocaust. It's after the Six-Day War. It's after there's unwalled villages all throughout Israel. It's after there's free travel. It's after there's safeties taking place. And it's after Palestine keeps saying, let's divide the land. Do you know that Palestine keeps wanting to divide that land? Every single United States president has really been the one that says you're going to divide it or not. President Trump said, I know you keep saying, you keep saying the capital should be in Jerusalem, but you keep having it in Tel Aviv, and I'm going to move it. You don't tell me that it start a big issue in the United States, even though it had been on the books for 20 years. He goes, well, we're going to do it. <gasps> How dare you? But it's already been on the books. If he wouldn't have done that, we would have disturbed so much unrest. No, 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 no. It, it, there's a lot more going on, everyone. People don't like Christians and Jews, true followers of Jesus Christ, not, not Christians in name only. You know, the world loves Christians in name only. The world loves them. Why? Because they're just like the world. And it makes them feel good that, oh, wait, I act just like them, and they're Christians, and they're going to heaven? Oh, wow, I guess I'm going. <laughs> Verse 16, thou shalt come up against these people. He's talking about Iran, Russia, and Turkey, and all these nations coming down from the north. And we know, we'll talk about this later, they're going to be coming up from the south, but that's where they're planted, Ethiopia, Sudan, Egypt and Libya. So thus saith the Lord, God, art thou of he who I have spoken of of old to my servants, the who? The prophets. This principality, this chief prince, I've already told the prophets that you're coming. This is so cool. So God's speaking about Gog in verse 17. Aren't you the one I've already told the prophets about that would be doing this? And then the prophets wrote about it. Mm -hmm. So where do we get this from? For time's sake, I put all the information in there from how do you come up with this word Gog? What is it? Is it just the, are you just trying to put some acronym together? Are you just, nope. All the information is in there in the next couple of pages. And it's not that it's not important, but you're going to see some historical tablets from the, from the Syrian age, from where you get the word Gog, what it means, what the Bible is talking about. Ezekiel wrote that not because he was trying to create a riddle for someone, because at the time of the historical writing of Ezekiel, it would have been a group of people, this region, that the people were familiar with. Everyone understand that? This is why it's so important to understand when the Bible talks about something, to understand the, who he was talking to at what time and what it means. That's why a lot of people have issues in the church today regarding alcohol. Ooh, got quiet. <laughs> a lot of people in the church, hey, little wine's good for the belly. The Bible says so. Hey, that's the first miracle Jesus did. At the wedding, boom, man. Whoosh, he created alcohol and we all got hammered. Yay! Really? Is that what it says? Hmm, I don't think so. Where I stand on alcohol is not because of a denomination. I stand on the word. What does the Bible tell me? I know in the book of Revelation, four different times it said the drunkard won't enter the kingdom of heaven. So the Bible has to tell me what the word drunkard means, doesn't it? There has to be a definition. What do I have to do to find out the definition of a drunkard? Well, Pastor, I'm telling you right now, I define what drunk means, and believe me, I can have 23 beers before I'm drunk. <laughs> wow, okay. 
But the person next to me, they just can't hold their liquor like me. It only takes them two. So in order to sin, he gets two and you get 23. Right? Is that, I mean, is that what that means? So if the drunkard won't enter the kingdom of heaven, it's like, God, please, please, please increase my stamina for alcohol. You have to know what the Bible says. Going back to 2011, 2007, there's two different eras. I'm just going to quick. Harvard and Yale. Harvard and Yale, do you know they're not Christian universities? <laughs> they were given the task two different times, four years apart, of go tell me, go back in time at the time of Christ and tell me what does drunkard mean? Because at the time of Christ, you were considered a barbarian if you drank alcohol. That was culture. You were considered a barbarian. They watered it down. Because they would get, they would squeeze these grapes and it would be really sweet, the sugar content. And then because they couldn't, they couldn't be drunk, they had to keep watering it down, watering it down, watering it down. And it got to the point where it's like, this tastes terrible. <laughs> Throw it out, go squeeze some more. That's, that's the cycle. That what they came up with, Harvard and Yale, what they came up with is what drunkard means at the time of the writing of the Bible, two teaspoons of wine. So are you saying I can habitually drink two teaspoons of wine every single day and not be considered drunk? Go ahead. Enjoy. <laughs> Done. <laughs> Isn't that interesting? But wouldn't that be living legalistically? We want to live by, we want to think, oh, it's just I live under the age of grace. But then give me the exact line that I can't cross for sin. Two teaspoons of wine, today's wine, that's the heart of God. Don't do it. That's his heart. Don't. Well, what about a little wine's good for the belly? Paul told that to Zavid. He goes, he said, no, for the, any dysentery in your stomach. Why? Because there wasn't a Walgreens. There wasn't a CVS. There wasn't a Rite Aid to go, man, my stomach is killing me. You know, their water, their water wasn't that very good back then. They got sick a lot. That's rabbinical history, Jewish history. That's Roman history. At the time of the wedding, that remember when Jesus turned the water into wine, right? Jesus turned. You guys remember that? Jesus turned the water into wine. They get, it's getting awful quiet in here. You guys okay? Because if Revelation says four different times a drunkard won't enter the kingdom of heaven, I think we need to know what a drunkard is. You can jump up and down all the time about the signs of Jesus' return, but if you're not ready, who cares? Okay, let me change that. Okay. Who wants to know the signs of Jesus' return? I do. Because I'm commanded. I'm commanded to know it. So I don't get deceived, dude. It says, so I, so it says, take it into yourself so you don't become giddy with all the nauseous stuff that's going on. It's like, I can't believe this. I can't believe this. I can't believe this. Wickedness in high places. There's a shaking coming. It's, it's, it's harvest time. It's like, okay, 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 okay. I got peace. I got peace. I got peace. Okay, that's great that you know the signs, but are you going to stop sinning? Paul said, I'm going to cut off the things that easily beset us. Interesting. I'm going to take two minutes, and here we go. You ready? For those of you people who think I talk fast, this is going to be confirming right here. <laughs> culture today tells us what's best is hard liquor, right? Oh, that's some good stuff right there. How old is that? Oh, this is a scotch. I was like, oh, that's good. You know, at the time of Christ, you know what was good? What was just picked off the vines. In culture, back then, what was best was what was just picked off the vines. What was closest to the vine Wait, that sounds like more Bible, isn't it? Hmm. 
whatever was just picked off. So the miracle that happened at that wedding is a couple days into that wedding, it said the host of the wedding and all of the, the servants were like, hey, why did you save the best until a couple days after this thing had already started, right? It wasn't all of a sudden it became, they brought out the hard liquor and the champagne. It's because the servants were there celebrating the wedding, but someone had filled all the vats with fresh squeezed grapes. No one was in the field. Where did this come from? It's because it was fresh squeezed grapes and no one could believe it was, why did you save the best? The best meant it was the freshest. Is that just like, wait, because if I look what the world does, man, I'll move to Idaho because it's 1.1. If I go to Michigan, it's 0.08. What does drunkard mean? It depends on the state that you live in? That's what it means. So the Bible doesn't want you to miss it. So the Bible is not going to be ambiguous about what it means. What is sin? I don't know. You decide. Okay. Everyone okay with me? All right. That's just that. We can do a three-week, uh, three-day teaching on that. And I'm telling you, a lot of people, I've done teachings on that. And I, we've had a lot of people say, you know what? I never heard it before. I'm not drinking. I'm not touching that stuff ever again. Because I can go into medical reasons and, and people who have got addicted to alcohol. But I'm telling you, the Bible just says don't. It just says don't. Because I can give you a medical reasons not to do a lot of things. But if it's not biblical reasons, who cares? Right? I don't think you should wear a helmet when you ride a motorcycle. Thank you, Pastor Paul. But I understand people do. I don't get, I'm just kidding. Okay, if you wear a helmet, that's fine. That's fine. That's fine. I told Kelly, she goes, why don't you wear a helmet? And I said, because if I'm in an accident required a helmet, I'm already dead. Okay, thank you, everyone. I appreciate that. I look better in the casket, but that's about it. Okay, all right, we'll keep going. We'll keep going. I lost you. That's all fine. That's all fine. Gog, bottom of page 22, Gog in Ezekiel is called a chief prince. He's called a chief prince. So when you read Paul, what Paul wrote in Ephesians, not just what Paul wrote, but what Daniel wrote, it tells us something. Do you know that there are demonic angel spirits and rulers in high places? Do you guys know? Do you believe that? The reason I believe it is because I believe the Bible. Well, I've never seen it, but the Bible said it's true. I've never seen anything zipping around up there, but I believe it. Because faith comes by and hearing the word. It's not hearing someone else, it's hearing the word. It's not hearing someone else's take on what the word's saying. It's hearing spoken by someone who's lining up with the word. Wes Russell, Paul is telling who? Who's Paul talking to? The church. Paul's talking to the church in Ephesians. The church. What must I do to be ready? I don't want to miss it. He's telling everyone to put on the whole armor, right? You guys remember that? Pull on the whole armor. He didn't say put on your running shoes and run away from difficulty. At the time of the end, put on the running shoes and take off. Strip off every single thing so you're really lightweight and do, 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 do. Run away from trouble. Go hide. Leave every place that you can think of and just go hide. Everyone just gathered a Quonset hut and put camouflage on it and we'll all live off the land. <sighs> For we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against rulers of the darkness in the world, against spiritual wickedness in where? High places. 
not just spiritual wickedness up there, but also spiritual wickedness in media, high place. We're in government and education. We are wrestling against spiritual wickedness in education right now. We're wrestling against spiritual wickedness in government. Well, I don't know about that. Hmm. Well, when does life begin in the womb? Oh, well, I don't think so. That's wicked. That's just wicked. You're deceiving people. Well, they shouldn't believe government. <laughs> A lot of people do. Because to many, government's become their source. Ephesians 2.2. 2. Paul's talking to who here? Oh, he's talking to the church. What must I do in order to be ready? He's saying you're not wrestling just against in the flesh. And the Amplified says you're not just wrestling in the flesh, but you're wrestling in the spirit. A lot of people, no, it's all spiritual. No, it's physical. We're not just wrestling up there on our knees and just praying, 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 but then we have to go do something. In times past, you walked according to the course of this world, talking to the church, according to this, the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that now works in the children of disobedience. He's telling the church, you're going to be challenged when you go out there. Why? There's children of disobedience. There's spiritual wickedness in high places, in government. And he's not saying, woe is me. He's saying, I'm telling you, I'm warning you in advance, so put on the whole armor. Put on the whole armor. Well, what's he talking about there? Well, four chapters later, he's saying, man, I need the sword. Boom, I'm going to speak the word over a situation. When something comes up, Holy Spirit, come upon me. This is that which was spoken of. God, give me wisdom. What am I supposed to do? And you said in James, I need wisdom. You give it to me liberally. And then you told the wisest man ever in the Old Testament. He said, wisdom is the key thing to desire. God, give me direction on what I'm supposed to do. And you, one of the greatest wisdom pieces you can have is to know this and know how to apply it. It's one thing to have the knowledge. Do you guys have junior Bible quiz in, in Church of God? Do you guys know what junior Bible quiz is? I mean, it was in some ways it got things. You're little kids studying the Bible and have little buzzers and they do that whole thing. Okay. My kids were great. Church, boom, some got boom, 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 boom. They won state championships and Kelly was their coach. I was like, yeah, 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 yeah. A lot of Christians know Bible verses. They have no idea how to apply it. I could ask my kids at five years old, what, what does that mean? I have no idea. But by now, we should be off the milk. And unto the meat of the word, we should understand what God's word is talking about. Why? Because we are fighting against powers and principalities of spiritual darkness. And we look at it like, oh, no, it's just a difficult time at the job. They want to they go after Christians and Jews. They're trying to get rid of you. Okay, well, if they have to get rid of me, I'll just fight. Nothing wrong with fighting it. Fight the good fight of, wow, nothing wrong with that. Daniel 10. Daniel 10. This is part of the Daniel fast, everyone. Daniel's fasting. 21 days into the Daniel fast. He's asking. They're in captivity right now. The Hebrew people are in captivity. They were taken over. And it's been almost 70 years. It was prophesied by Isaiah that they would be in captivity if they didn't repent. And then Jeremiah said, for every commandment, the Ten Commandments that you break, seven years will you be in captivity. That's Jeremiah. So it just so happened at the end of 70 years, Daniel's praying this. It's like, God, you said through the prophets that it was 70 years, and he's asking him, when are we going to be released? That's what Daniel 10 is. The angel, the angel Gabriel comes back to Daniel, and he goes, 
The moment you started humbling yourselves and praying, God heard you. And this, is Dan, and this is Gabriel's response to Daniel, why it took him 21 days to get to him. Has anyone ever felt like God's not responding in a quick time for you? It's like, God, I just, I've been asking you what to do now for about three minutes, and you have not responded to me about the rest of my life. Is she the one for me? We've been dating now for a week, and I need to know. I need to know, God. I'm 17 now. Life is passing me by. I need to know if she's the one. 21 days of fasting, Daniel's asking, when are you going to release us according to your word? God, you know that God performs his word? So Daniel believed it so much, he's fasting, and he's asking God, when are you going to perform your word? Because I know your word is always true. Because four chapters later, you, earlier, you shut the mouths of the lions, and the lion's done. He's still praying, boom, I'm opening up my doors. I don't care who sees me. Do you know that Daniel was very high up in government? Daniel was a teenager when Nebuchadnezzar in Babylon, they took him over. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, and Daniel. You know that Daniel was a follower of God's word and was elevated in a godly government. But many in the church don't think that the church should be involved in politics and government. Hmm. But Daniel, well, I don't want to be persecuted. Daniel got thrown in the lion's den. I don't see anybody in government right now who's a Christian getting thrown in the lion's den. Right? You know, they tricked him. They tried to trick the king. They tried to deceive. They did every single thing possible to get at Daniel because he was a follower of Christ. Church, we cannot be scared about what government can do to us as a follower of Jesus Christ. Can't be scared. But what if it doesn't turn out the way I want to? He was thrown in the lion's den, and he was still okay. Still okay. One chapter later, I'm sorry, three chapters earlier in Daniel chapter 3, he had three friends named Shadrach, Meshach, and... You don't hear those names being thrown around a lot anymore. I don't know why, but it's just not as popular. You know, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, they spent a little time somewhere. Where'd they go? In a fire. That doesn't seem fair. I'm obedient to God, and I get thrown in a fire? I just should be, I just should be quiet as a Christian. I'm going to go outside tonight on my car. I'm going to take that little fishy off. I want to get my tires slashed, you know. I, don't. I want to go to a country concert and see a Christian thing on my thing. I might get in. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, you know what they said? They said, even if God doesn't deliver us from this fire, we will still trust him. What's going on right now? Time of the end stuff, everyone. It's a Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego moment for all of us. You may lose your job. You may be hated, but I still believe God. I still believe in the rapture. I still believe that he's, he's for me and he's not against me. So Gabriel said, sorry, it's been 21 days that you've been doing this. <laughs> I just love this. Can you imagine? 21 days. <laughs> he says, but the prince of the kingdom of what? 
1935, Persia changed its name to Iran. Wait, wait, wait. Hmm. So Gabriel was wrestling the president of Persia? No. We know, going directly to the Aramaic and the Hebrew, 2 through 9 is an Aramaic, One chapters 1, 10, 11, 12, goes back into the Hebrew because who he was writing. The prince of the kingdom of Persia is a spirit over the area of Iran. Spirit. He withstood me 21 days, but then lo, Michael, another one of the chief princes, came to help me, and I remained there with the king of Persia. Now, seven verses later, then then he said, you know where I come unto thee, and I will return to fight. Now, I told you what's going on, Daniel. Now I'm going to go back and fight these powers and principalities of Persia. And then when I'm done with that, I'm going to go where? To Greece and fight the principality over the area of Greece. What? Wait. Ezekiel said there is a chief prince of the area of Gog. His name is Gog and he's over the area of Magog, Tubal and Meshach, Russia and Turkey. You guys understand this? Gog is a principality just like the one over Persia and the one over Greece. Mm, okay. Ezekiel 38.1. Bottom of page 23. Boom, boom, boom. The word of the Lord came to me, son of man, set your face against Gog. Oh, oh, there you go. That chief prince. Over the land of Magog, just like over the land of Greece, like the land of Persia. That's why we're going to break down where Magog is at. The prince of Rosh, Meshach, and Tubal. And say to the Lord, behold, I'm against you, O Gog, chief prince of those areas. And I'm going to turn you back and put hooks into your jaws. Wait, who, hmm. God is, oh man, who is doing this? God is going to take those leaders. He is going to bring them to attack Israel. He's going to put hooks in their jaws, and he's going to bring forth all the earth. God is going to allow this to happen. He's the one starting it. You know that God's in control? Why would he do something bad? These are signs. These signs have to happen. Thank God it's happening to Israel and not Tennessee. We get to sit back with your popcorn. Oh my goodness. Did you guys see what happened to Israel today? When we freak out about what's going on, thank you, Jesus, that you want me obedient to this. You command me to know something that's happening over there. Can you imagine the panic and what's going on over the, to the Christians and Jews over there? It's terrible. And I'm going to turn my back and put hooks in your jaws. Hmm, in your jaws, that's something interesting. And all of everyone's going to be clothed in full armor. They're going to be turning. He's going to turn them back. And he says, now I want you to come with full armor against Israel. And who are you going to bring with 
Who's going to come with to attack Israel at this time? Remember, after Israel becomes a nation again, after the Palestinians want to divide the land, after there's no envelope, there's an order, chronological order, to what Ezekiel is speaking of. And then I'm going to bring Persia. Persia is what nation again today? Iran. You know that Iran wants to crush Israel? Iran just wants to crush Israel. Just, just to wipe, wipe them up. Well, how do you know that? They say it every single day on the news. Every single day. We learned last night that Iran is putting missiles into Lebanon right now. And they're at Mount Hermon, right outside the Golan Heights. That's all Bible. This is all Bible, everyone. It's in the Bible. This is what's supposed to take place. And then Cush put, or Libya, Cush, the Ethiopia, the Sudan area, and put, or Libya, I mean, this is right in the Amplified, all of them with shield and helmet, meaning they're all armed up and ready for war. Who else is going to be in on this? Gomer and all his hordes. Now, interesting. Hmm. The other verses say they're going to be armed up and ready for battle, didn't it? They're armed up from Persia, Russia, Iran, Turkey, then from Libya, where Turkey, Iran, and Russia are at right now, Ethiopia, Sudan, where Turkey's at right now, and Egypt. Well, we'll talk about that in a second. But then... In verse 6, it says they're going to come up against Israel, but it doesn't say, hmm, with helmets. So are they fighting this battle, or are they in agreement with this battle at the UN level? Because Gomer and his hordes, the house of Tagorma, and the uttermost parts of the north and all his hordes, it just means bands or descendants, and many people are with you. They're with you. It's very difficult to go fight a battle right now in the world if major players aren't behind you. Because they're your covering. It's like, leave them alone, everybody. Leave them alone. Leave them alone. So you, Gog, principality, be prepared. Prepare yourself. You and all your companies that are assembled, you better be on a guard and commander for them. This is just, this is written 2,600 years ago, everyone. So interesting, all of these names listed, all of these names listed in Ezekiel to start this battle. Now, Ezekiel 39 tells us this battle doesn't last very long. And you know how long the artillery from this battle burns? Seven years. Well, that's an odd number. Why would God pick seven? It's his favorite number. No, the tribulation is, oh, hold on. The seven-year tribulation is how long? Oh, sorry. Okay. Daniel 9 tells me, there's a seven-year peace treaty, and how long is that for? Okay, all right, all right. So there's a seven-year peace treaty that happens to be a seven-year tribulation that none of this begins until the seven-year peace treaty is signed, which begins the seven-year tribulation. How do I know that? From Daniel, from Ezekiel, to Revelation. It's all in there. Now here, Jesus, Jesus said one of the signs in Luke 21, Matthew 24, one of the signs of his return, he goes, it will be as in the days of what? Noah. Remember, the building buying selling is not a big tip-off. Hmm. So people will be buying houses. Jesus is coming. I sold a house. Jesus is coming. People got married. Jesus is coming. No, he goes, it's going to be like it's always been. So you need to know the additional signs. You need to know the additional signs. This is the history and generations. Genesis 10. This is the one everyone skips over. All the chronological stuff in the Bible about who begat who, everyone always skips over this, right? 
Does anyone just memorize all the who the baguettes? It's got in my fridge every single morning. I always forget like 14 generations down. Who begat Axelrod? I just forget that one. Nope. This is the history of the generations, the descendants of the sons of Noah, Shem, Ham, and Jacob. Do you think the Bible put that in there for a reason? Out of all the people he could have chose, out of all the descendants, he decides to put down the descendants after the flood, as in the days of Noah. And then of all the people that Jesus could have said, this is what it's going to be like, he chose Noah. Do you know that the book of Genesis was written before Jesus came in the flesh? Jesus pointed back to the disciples and to the end times church, and he said, go read what was already written. Jesus didn't say, oh my goodness, Moses, oh, could you hurry up and write this down because they have to go reflect upon it. (laughs) Moses already wrote it. He's telling them off the cup. Jesus, what's going to look like when you come back then? Because we don't want you to go away. Hey, you better know the promised Holy Spirit. You better have to be baptized in the Holy Spirit. He'll remind you of things to come. He'll send judgment and righteousness. And boom, he'll remind you of as in the days of Noah. So when you see Japheth and Ham surrounding Shem, you'll go, oh, this is that which was spoken of. Well, how do we know that? Because Ezekiel tells us the exact same people in Genesis 10. Here's what Genesis 10 has to tell us. Here's the descendants of Ham, Shem, and Japheth, the sons of Japheth. Wait. Hold on, Ezekiel tells us that Gomer and Magog and Tubal and Meshach are all going to come up against Israel at the time of the end, right? Jesus said it'll be as in the days of who? Wait, and Noah's son Japheth, his descendants are Gomer. Ding, 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 ding. The Holy Spirit's going to remind you of things that you already read and declare to you things to come. Boom. How do I know these are things to come? Because Ezekiel tells me these are things to come. Well, how do I know where I find it? Because in the beginning, God told us everything. Isaiah said, I told you from the beginning what would happen at the end. Jesus said, hey, in the beginning, you guys remember what happened to Noah? Boom, let's go read his descendants. Gomer, Magog, Tubal, Mishash, these are all Turkey, southern Russia, old Soviet Union. You know that part part of these descendants go all the way into Afghanistan? Wait, something just happened in Afghanistan recently. Huh. Right? Now, once again, I love my military. I was in the military. Four years active, four years reserves. Back the blue, fly my flag. You know, I can still get mad when things happen in the United States. You, you can still be angry. Because I think it's a righteous anger when there's, we do things to, to harm our own people. We pulled out of Afghanistan. We harmed a lot of United States citizens. But we pulled out of Afghanistan, and those are descendants of Japheth. Why did we do that? Why would we do that? You know that's also fulfilling. Oh, this is so good. In the Hadith and the Quran. Hadith and Quran. The Hadith and Quran were written in about 630 to 660 A.D. It's not in your notes about almost 600 years after the Bible's done being written. Just done, right? John's done. Boom, boom, boom. Unseal it all, John. Don't leave anything out. Boom. It's over. Done. There's nothing new left under the sun. It's done, right? It's all done. There's, no, there's nothing. You can't add or delete anything else. It's, it's all done. So then, 600 years later, Muhammad 
boom, let's start a new religion. I know the Jewish religion and I know the Christian religion. Let's start a hybrid that contradicts much of what is that, it, but it's a parallel also to the same events. Parallel to the same events. Muhammad wrote in the Hadith in the Quran in order to start their last caliphate. Caliphate in Islam is a one-world religion and a one-world government. The 12th caliphate, which would bring the 12th iman, and these are words you might have heard before. It's like, what's an iman? That's their spiritual leader. It's the 12th iman. It says, in order to start that, first you have to control. This is in the Hadith in the Quran, written 1,500 years ago. In order to start the last world religion and government, first take over Afghanistan, Pakistan, and Iran. So that's intentional what they just did. The Bible wrote what they would do 600 years before in Revelation, but then 1,200 years before the book of Daniel. Daniel wrote it 1,200 years before. They're fulfilling in the Hadith and the Quran what was written in the Bible. They're actually writing a parallel story and go, let's go take Afghanistan, Pakistan, and Iran. Oh, that's the descendants of Japheth. As in the days of Noah, they're doing it, and the United States pulled out of Afghanistan. Well, who cares? What's the big deal? Do you know that China's going to be a big player in the mid, at the end of the tribulation? Do you know why they needed Afghanistan? To, you, know, you guys remember? Uh, oh. Who watches? Who's ever watched the movie Rambo? It's okay. It's not a sin, everyone. It's all right. It's right. It's actually, it should be a rite of passage in the church, right? It should be. It's like... <laughs> It's a new believer's class. Ramble one, two, or three. Which one are you on? Okay. Four is incredible. Five? Oh, life-changing. Okay, all right. All right. Okay. Let's just talk about Rambo. No, okay, all right. You know, one of his movies is the conflict between, it's with Russia and Afghanistan. It's been going on for a long time. Hmm. Russia and Afghanistan. Interesting. Descendants of Japheth. Huh. You know that China needs Afghanistan clear for its way to come down. This is why last year they had a conflict with India. I didn't even know India had a military. I had no idea. They're fighting off to the northwest of Kathmandu. This, this was going on in the news and no one wants to talk about it. They're like, who cares? Once again, the news is not telling you end-time Bible stories. Wow, another, another end-time Bible thing just happened to play. The, the number one prophet Ezekiel was right again. They, they don't do that. And Ted Koppel. Ted, I know Ted's not here with us anymore. But can you imagine watching the news and they were giving you end time filters? I don't know why I'm telling you this, but God told me this. I mean, this is why it's important where you get your news from, right? When you read and hear the news, make sure it's through the filter of this. The news will come alive. It's not so boring. Growing up, I didn't want to watch C-SPAN. But now that's all we do. I'm kidding. We don't watch these spam all the time. I do. Kelly doesn't. She's just not there yet. Right, no, I'm just kidding. I... So here's the descendants. Japheth, Gomer Magog, Tubal, Meshach. Mm. The sons of Gomer now. So Gomer is a descendant of Japheth, right? It's a son. Huh. Tagorma. Hmm. Turkey. Sons of Javid. Oh, hold on. We keep moving west here. Oh, whoa. You keep, we'll, we'll keep reading later, but you'll find out 
that Gomer and his descendants, and Nell's hordes of people, they went from the Gomer or Gomerites into Germany, the Germanites. That's natural history. Hmm. So at the time of the end, Turkey, Russia, Afghanistan, Pakistan, Iran, they're all going to come up against Israel. Hmm. That's Ezekiel. How do we know who all his descendants are? Well, those are in Genesis 10. But Ezekiel already tells me who they are. It lists their names. Gomer, we know through natural history, then those descendants went to Germany. Germany is notorious. Not notorious. Germany doesn't like the Jewish people. You're making that up. No, I'm not. I think Monday night someone brought this question up at the, the Q&A time. I think it's 34% of the Congress or parliamentary of Germany. They are in the neo-Nazi group as well. They don't like Jews. Natural history tells me from the bands of Gomer, from Ezekiel 38.6, they went from Germany to Spain, the largest, largest Islamic terrorist organization in the world, the Maramadam, into Italy, where the false prophets coming from, booming into France. That's these nations. Oh, wait, those five nations always vote against Israel at the UN level. And 38, Ezekiel 38.6, it said they're going to, the, many, they are going to be with the people who attack with shield, tanks, planes. They're going to be with them. Verse, verse 6, the sons of Ham, the sons of Ham, first one would be bacon, and then sausage, and then, no, I'm sorry, sorry. <laughs> uh, mm. did, did anyone else's mouth just begin to water right there? Just like, <laughs> I mean, you think about it, the descendants of Ham, I mean, that really, that would totally change these stories, though, wouldn't it? I mean, oh. Kids would memorize it much better. Okay. The sons of Ham, Cush, Egypt, Put, Canaan. Huh. Sons of Cush, Seba, became the father of Nimrod. Huh. Huh. Nimrod, what is Nimrod famous for? Oh, let's read verse 10. The beginning of Nimrod's kingdom was what? Hmm. Babel, that sounds familiar. What did they try to do at Babel? Build a tower. They tried to build a one world government and religion. Let us build this together, didn't they? You guys remember that? Wait. Hmm, the never-wrong prophet Isaiah said, I told you from the beginning what would happen at the end. Jesus said, as in the days of Noah. There's going to be descendants of Ham in Iraq that tried to build a one-world religion. The book of Daniel tells me that this 
Antichrist government leader is going to reform Babylon or the area of Iraq, Lebanon, and Syria again. Everyone with me? The Bible's confirming the Bible. Genesis, Jesus said, go read Genesis. Never wrong prophet Ezekiel said, this is going to happen. And then Daniel said, this is going to happen. They're all in agreement with each other. And John summarized it in Revelation 13, 17, and 18 about the false prophet and the Antichrist. Hmm. You know where Nimrod was located? I gave you just a hint. Iraq. It's also called in the Bible the land of Shinar. Hmm. Huh. You know where King Nebuchadnezzar in the Babylonian Empire, where it was first formed? In the land of Shinar. Hold on. That was a one world government. That was a beast empire. And John said in Revelation, the beast that once was, that was cut down. Daniel 4 says it was a stump, but they didn't totally eradicate because Iraq was never completely wiped out. Syria was never wiped out. Lebanon was never wiped out. It will rise again as a superpower at the time of the end. And Revelation said no one can believe it. Could anyone believe right now that Lebanon, Syria, there's chaos in, in not just Lebanon, but in Syria, it's chaos. But who is in Syria right now? Turkey, Russia, and Iran. Oh, Ezekiel 38 too. Hmm. Oh, verse 10, in the land of Shinar, in where? Babylonia. The Bible's telling us what's going on. Out of the land of Nimrod went forth into Syria and built what? Nineveh. What's Nineveh famous for? Jonah. Huh. It's just not fair. God's going to wipe all these people out, and they never had a gospel witness. Jonah did. Jonah went to Nineveh. Huh. Hmm. You know what? Islam believes, Islam believes their end time Mahdi, Savior, is going to come out in the caves outside of Nineveh. But that's where Nimrod, who started a one world government and religion, his descendants went there. God doesn't want us to miss this, everyone. He doesn't want us to miss it. It's all in there. As you read page 14, and you know, we're, we're actually probably not going to do um, our, our, our part three notes tonight, so is that okay? Are you guys learning something, though? Yeah, Kelly told me, said she said, you're not going to be able to do part three. And I go, yes, I am. Yes, I am. She goes, well, you'll have to talk really, really, really fast to do it, and then Marvin would hate you. And I said, I know. <laughs> I love you, Marvin. I'm doing this for you. I'm slowing it down so now everyone can love on Marvin later. <laughs> Verse 15, Canaan. Hmm. You know that Canaan is a descendant of Ham? Wait, Egypt is a descendant of Ham. Wait, all these people are related? Huh. It just so happens, they said, they're going to come up against Shem at the time of the end. He's, 
is the longest running family feud ever. <laughs> right? I mean, this is bad. It's like, I remember 6,000 years ago, I hated you then, and I hate you now. <laughs> uh, Canaan, Canaan became the father of who? Sidon. At the end of time, the never wrong prophets tell us, not just in Ezekiel or Daniel, the Zechariah, Zephaniah, all those places that, you know what, that Sidon and Tyre will also in Lebanon would come up against Israel. Hmm, and Canaan's brother, he became the father of Sidon. Wait, another family feud in Lebanon. They don't like Israel either. His firstborn became Heth the Hittites. All of the ites in the Bible are descendants of the Canaanites. They all took up all around Lebanon, all of current modern-day Israel, Gaza Strip, parts of Jordan, Sinai Peninsula, all up into southern part of Syria. That's where all the ites in the Bible. Who, who is popular? Who is known for fighting ites in the Bible? And before David? Moses, right? They had to go through all Canaan land, right? I want Canaan land. I want Canaan land. I want Canaan land. And then David had to fight all the ites. You have a history of every, the Jewish people fighting the descendants of Canaan. These are all the descendants. And that territory from Canaan extends from Sidon up in Lebanon. The Bible tells us where this land is. These are the descendants, and it goes all the way as far as Gaza, and it goes to Sodom and Gomorrah. Sodom and Gomorrah. I know we did Q&A Monday night, and I don't want to repeat myself, but I am because I believe repeating, repeating yourself, this is repetition. We talked last night with our golfing buddy that was over here, and we was talking about the repetition, right? Repetition, 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 repetition. Very important. Sodom and Gomorrah. Sodom and Gomorrah. The descendants of Ham, Sodom and Gomorrah. They got cities named after them. And the Jesus said it'll be as in what? The days of Noah and... Oh, and Lot. Hmm. What happened in the days of Lot? You know that the leaders, remember at the time, it's Sodom, Sodom and Gomorrah, there was spiritual leadership that was also government leadership, just like Melchizedek. He was over Jerusalem, mayor and priest. But the leaders over Sodom and Gomorrah and the other two area cities, they decided it was no longer against God's commands for a man to have sexual relationships with a man and a woman. To they changed it. They changed it. So God judged Sodom and Gomorrah, didn't he? Because wickedness is going everywhere. Hold on. Huh. Jesus told the church it's going to be as in the days of Noah and who? And he judged Sodom and Gomorrah in the days of Lot because the religious people said it was no longer a sin for a man to lay with a man and woman to lay with a woman. Do you know that Paul in the book of Romans told the end times church the same thing? The end times church, because remember they said, did we, miss, did we miss the rapture? Is this the tribulation? And Paul said, no, but this is what you must do, and this is what's going to take place. 
he said the church will trade the truth for a lie. And at the end of Romans 1, it said the pastors, the leaders, the spiritual leaders, they won't only, they may not agree with it, but they will applaud it. That when people come out, this is who we are, that's great, that's great, that's all. We are to love the sinner, but hate the sin. This is not if someone's in sin, you just, this is, this is sin. This is sin. If you want to get into the kingdom, this is sin. Stop habitually doing it. Stop it. Take captive that thought before you do it. Well, I say, he's faithful and just to forgive you. Now stop it. Stop it. Stop it. Stop it. Sodom and Gomorrah. Descendants of Ham. We'll get into this maybe tomorrow night. Ham, the descendants of Ham, his son sinned against his father, Noah. Then they went to Sodom. Sodom is where we get the word sodomized from. Because of the homosexuality that was taking place. This is where we get that from. When God judged the religious people for changing his commands and saying that sexual perversion is now okay. Remember first, he waited for the righteous people to leave, then judgment came. In the days of Noah, they got onto the ark, they were safe, then judgment came. And we're gonna get into this when we talk about the rapture. The judgments upon the earth does not happen until the church is raptured away. That's it, because it's the, as in the days of Noah, as in the days of Lot, and Zechariah, Zephaniah, it's all in the Bible. But the Bible tells us in Genesis that he tried, Lot tried to get his two son-in-laws to go with him, remember? And they said, you're crazy, you're crazy. God's not, God's not gonna judge us. He's not gonna do that. He's gonna wipe out this whole, that's crazy. He'd never do that. The flood wasn't that too long ago, was it? You're talking about Abraham wasn't that far removed, and he was related to Lot. They knew the stories. Abram, you guys look at those storyline. I mean, that ten generations of the man. You know that Abram was alive at the time of Noah, and here's Noah's Abram's son-in-law is going. I don't believe you. God would never wipe anything out. God wouldn't judge a whole city. He just judged the whole world. How do you know that? Uh, (laughs) My uncle told me. It's like, this is crazy. You know your uncle? He's the one that told me. So Sodom and Gomorrah, Lot's leaving with his wife and two daughters. His wife, the Bible said, longed for this old wicker world. I know we talked about this. I think it was in here, right? She looked back, and she was turned into a pillar of salt. And then that area of Sodom is now underwater in the Dead Sea where nothing grows. This is, so Jesus is telling us this is what happens. This is what judgment is. So go read what happened in the days of Noah. When you read Genesis 10, It's telling you every single nation that's going to come up against it because Ezekiel's telling us the nations that are listed in Genesis 10. We don't need a Captain Crunch decoder ring to tell us, this is so mystical, how do I figure it out? Let's go read Genesis because Isaiah said, I told you in the beginning what would happen at the end. Jesus said, go read Noah. Oh, as in the days of Noah. Oh, Ezekiel's correct. 
all, all Ezekiel's doing is bringing forth that which was already spoken by the prophet Moses. <laughs> all right. Okay. A few more minutes. You guys okay? I mean, we, we could go all night, couldn't we? Oh, wow. I was not expecting that. <laughs> I'll take you up on it. All right. Okay, here we go. Let me get some uh, caffeine in me right now. Hold on. I'll just turn on my drip inside here. Oh, okay, all right. Okay. Ooh. All right. <clears throat> Let's go. You're just going to hold on to your notes from, um, you're going to go to page, let's go to page 30. Page 30. The next couple of pages in the 20s, and we briefly went over this, but it's just a confirmation of who Gog is. Gog is a principality, correct? It's not a man. Because we know in pages 27, we start with page 28 and 29 in Revelation, at the end of the millennium reign of Christ, how long is the millennium reign for? A thousand years. The thousand year reign lasts a thousand years. At the end of the thousand years, it doesn't say how long, but it says at the end of that thousand years, Satan will be released from his place and he will go forth to deceive and seduce and lead astray from all four corners of the earth and Gog and Magog who's going to be there to muster up that war. Well, that doesn't seem fair. If you already made it, you're good to go. There are going to be people we don't have time to talk about in the study that are going to make it through that tribulation and and it says there's going to be babies being born in that millennium reign, but it's not from the people of the glorified bodies. God, in all his wisdom, and he's a just God, somehow people are going to make it through and don't cross your fingers and think it's going to be you. The Bible says it's very clear for those who've already heard the gospel message. It says, your hearts, if you miss the rapture, your hearts will become bitter or callous towards hearing it again. Okay, But in Revelation chapter 20, Gog and Magog comes back again. Gog is not a man. Gog is not a man. It's a spirit. It's a principality. It's a prince of that area. Everyone with me on that? Okay. It's page 30, and we're going to close with wrapping up a couple of these areas on a map. I want you to be able to look. When you hear the current events, boom, these areas pop in. And I know you have maps already from Sunday night, and they're still on the table. You can grab those maps again, larger scale ones. You can write on them. You can draw you can put my name on it and just say, oh, well, he's awesome. Okay, I'm just kidding. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. You can blacklight it and see that. Okay, all right. It's subliminal. Okay, Ezekiel 38. So who are these nations again? Because remember, it's listed in Genesis who the descendants of Ham and Japheth are, right? It's listed. It's listed in Genesis. Jesus said, go read Noah. Go days of Noah. So here's Ezekiel listing all the descendants of Japheth and Ham in the Bible. So he says, is Iran. Remember 1935? 1935. In the middle of page 30, Persia until 1935, which was named in the 9th century BC. In 1935, the Iranian government requested the countries which had diplomatic relations to call Persia Iran, which is the name of the country in the Persian language, okay? Bible called it Persia. It's the same land area. 
So when you read in your Bible, some of your Bibles, depending on your translations, will actually have, in the parenthetical, they'll have the word Iran in there, okay? It's Iran. That's, so it's not, it's not talking about something different. I'm not coming up with it because I translated all the P's and the E's and the R's, and I got I, R, A. No, it's, that's the same landmass. That's what it is. The suggestion, interestingly enough, to change its name come from the ambassador of Germany. Hmm. Hmm. Huh. Interesting. Oh, what a weird thing, right? The ambassador of Germany said, hey, why don't you guys call yourself the Persian name? Little did we know, right? All these years later, they're all descendants. They're all brothers. So we know by prophetic writings that Iran will be involved in the war against Israel. I don't think it's a stretch <laughs> to see this. You, I don't think it's a stretch, do you? you might have, it might have been a stretch in 1946, because Israel wasn't a nation yet. It might have been a stretch in 1947. It might have been a stretch in 1935 when they changed their names. Like, oh, what a coincidence. No, because it doesn't mean anything until Israel becomes a nation again. All of a sudden, <gasps> Revelation 1 says, when you see all these things starting to take place, know it's going to speedily come to pass. It's warp speed, everyone. It's warp speed. It's warp speed, all these things that are taking place right now, because Iran has missiles in the Golan Heights, in Lebanon, and they want to attack Israel. This is all this is. This is, a, this is the largest family feud ever, the longest running one, but God told us it would take place. The second country listed in here is Ethiopia or Cush, depending on the translation that you have. It's the same. One is the translation from the Hebrew. That's what it is. That's the area. It's the area of Sudan in Ethiopia. Why is that such a big deal? Turkey is in Ethiopia and Sudan right now, controlling the port of the Red Sea coming up. Before you strike a battle, you want to take out all the battle lines. You want to take the, the passageways from the airwaves and all those things in the passages. This is where Turkey is at right now. The area of Kush is referencing not just the area of Ethiopia on the next page on 32. It's referencing the ancient times we know as the area of the Sudan. The Islamic fanaticism is taking place all throughout the Sudan. The Ethiopia is known to airlifting Jews out in the 1990s and last year. Thousands of Jews were airlifted out. Benjamin Netanyahu got them out as one of his last things that he did as bringing people back to Israel. Next country in 38.5 is Libya. talked briefly about that last, um, last night. Libya... Up until 2011, when Eric Spring happened, they had a leader by the name of who? General Gaddafi. Hmm. Libya. Inside of Libya right now, according to, according to Russia, according to Turkey, according to Iran, according to NBC, according to CBS, according to CNN, the Christian News Network, according to Fox News, all of those news... Turkey, Iran, and Russia are all inside of Libya right now. Right next to Egypt. Egypt has a little history with the Jews as well. They were in bondage. Hmm. You guys remember that? Before we go to 33, okay, 15 minutes, here we go. Before we go to page 33. In the book of when the false prophet and the Antichrist, the Antichrist is an Islamic man coming down from Iraq, Lebanon, and Syria area, that's the old Babylon area, or Shinar. You guys, you guys remember that now? 
right? Shinar area, you keep, it's like, oh, that's where the Tower of Babel was. This is where all these things were. That's where the Babylonian Empire was at the time of Daniel. The Bible says so in the book of Daniel. And then it also says in the New Testament, this is the area that's going to be reformed. And collect that area in the Seventh Empire to start the Eighth Empire. So that area, that Islamic man, leader, along with the false prophet, the false prophet in Revelation 17, 18 tells me it is going to be a pontiff, the Pope. It's going to be, a, it's going to be someone who's no longer in alignment with God's word, right? I mean, this is, that's what a false prophet is, okay? So these two are going to be joining together. So why am I bringing up those with Egypt for? What does that matter? In Revelation, it tells us when those two... Men, it says they're men. They're not spirits, they're men. When they take over Jerusalem, the Temple Mount, and stop the sacrifices after first 42 months, in the seven, after the seven-year peace treaty signed, they flee because all these armies come in now. This is going to be crazy. It's going to be chaos. It's not war of Gog and Magog. That's already happened. All this stuff starts taking place 42 months into it. There's food shortages everywhere in the world. There's earthquakes, tsunamis. They need food. They were, it's, it's a religious thing. They're going to keep blaming Israel for all these issues. Crazy Christians are gone. They're going to attack Israel. And the Bible says at that moment, when Islam and the Catholic Pope are over that area, it is now going to be called, this is huge, the area, this is going to be Egypt and Sodom. Jerusalem, wait, what happened in Egypt? God's people are captive. And then it's going to say Sodom. Why, why Sodom? What happened in Sodom? Man laid with man, woman laid with woman. Well, what does that have to do anything? When these two men take over that area, the Jews will now long, they'll be in bondage right now and all throughout Israel. They're scattered. They're going to be under control. They're, they're going to be wiped out, slaughtered. They're going to be killed. That's why Jesus has to come back and us, right? We've got to join us. But it said hmm, in the spirit realm, this is what it's going to be called. Allegorically, it's going to be called those two things. I can understand Egypt because they're in bondage again. But secondly, why would that area now be called Sodom? Huh. Why would it be called Sodom? Because those two men, it back over. You know, it says the spirit of the Antichrist will no longer have natural affection towards women. It says that in the Bible. One of the characteristics of that spirit of that Antichrist. Hmm. Do you know that the Catholic Church, although it says that man should not lay with a man, do you know that there's a lot of abuse in the church against boys and priests? And they're not kicked out for it. They're moved around. I can't believe you're saying that. It's in the news all the time, everyone. I'm not giving some hidden secret right now. Do you know that the Catholic Church winks at homosexuality? Hmm. There's pictures in 2018 of Pope walking in Central and South America with rainbow crosses on, and he's just doing all this. It's, just, it's like, well, we're not Catholic. Who cares? But the Bible says to watch out for it, to know what's going on. Interesting. Well, Islam, what's the big deal with Islam? You know, in Islam, it says, well, yeah, I thought Islamic people kill homosexuals, right? Well, that, that, that nation just kills it. That religion just kills them. Interesting. There was a man that used to be over the Palestinian, the PLO, and that was who? 
back in the 70s and 80s, in the Jimmy Carter era. Do you know that he, that he traveled with a harem of boys, 30 to 40 people? 30 to 30, 40 boys. Do you know that many Islamic leaders even now travel with harems of boys? Even though it's against their religion, they do it anyways. Hmm. So these two leaders of these two, Islam and the Catholic Church, take over Jerusalem, and it says now it's going to be called allegorically Sodom. How, oh my goodness, how did John know? Hmm, I think he was already under the anointing of the Holy Spirit, sitting in the Isle of Patmos, shoveling this thing out up underneath the door so he could get it passed to us today so we would know and identify this is why the church is so messed up because we don't want to talk about homosexuality as a sin and we're just so afraid to offend people saying, no, God loves you. Stop sinning if you want to spend eternity in heaven. Well, I just want to come like these other religions. Those other religions, are, people are leaving these religions. The further you get away from God's word, the more people are leaving. Well, it didn't used to be that way. I know, the last 18 months has shed the light on people. If it's a woke church, people are leaving. Even if they don't believe God's word is true, they saw the hypocrisy coming from the pulpit. Oh, that's good. Thank you. All right. Okay, you guys ready? We're going to finish 10 minutes. Here we go. Ezekiel 38, next page, 38.6. Gomer and all his hordes start at the bottom of page 33. Coming from Turkey, where Gomer was, and we know that from Meshach and Tobol and all those areas inside that, Togorma, their sons that are all inside of Turkey, they went into those areas. Those are the highest density of Islamic people in all of Europe. How did Ezekiel know? Oh, because you know what the never wrong prophet Ezekiel, you know why he was considered never wrong? Because he was never wrong, right? So the Bible says that the prophets of old were established never to be wrong, so we would trust them about what has yet to occur about the time of the end. So there was history involved in this. History tells us on page 34, second paragraph, before moving to Europe, Gomer's son Japheth was found to be in the Middle East. The book of Hosea indicates a union of exiled northern Israel. Wait, the book of Hosea? Oh my goodness, he's in on this too of never being wrong? Oh my goodness, it sounds like the Bible is just full of people who are never wrong about the end time events. You know why we can trust God's word about what's going on right now in the end times? Because they're never wrong. They're never wrong. If we can just get a hold of that, Isaiah, here's the never wrong prophet Isaiah, speaking about the judgment to come to Israel, the Hebrew people, the Jewish people, about the nation of Israel. At that time, moving forward 100 years before their exile from Babylon, and they were taken over in Babylonian captivity, he was also foretelling things about the end of time, when we would be raptured up, when his dead bone bodies would be popping out of the ground if, we were, if they died obedient to God's commands. He said, remember the former things. What are things? What are things? Word, God's word, promises in God's word, prophetic things in God's word. He said, remember them with the prophet spoke because he is God, there's no one else like God. He's declared the end and the result of it from where? From the beginning of time. In Genesis, he's declared it. Why? Ezekiel's using Genesis 10. Jesus said, look at Noah. Look what happened to him. Not only did Noah's descendants line up in Ezekiel, but also the Bible tells us that judgments are not going to come upon the earth until the righteous people are gone. 
the floodwaters did not come when Noah was still outside of the ark. He didn't have to doggy paddle for 42 months waiting for the doors to open. He said, you were found righteous, get in the ark. Get in there, and then as soon as you get in, boom, then the judgments are coming. He's going to rapture us out of harm's way, everyone, before the judgments come. Amen. All right, okay. You guys all right? The next couple pages is a very in-depth information, very, very in-depth information, very information about Japheth, Ham, and Shem. Shem, Ham, and Japheth. Whatever order you want to put them in, it's all broken down. For the time's sake, we're not going to go through that. It's all in there. Who begat who? Where those areas are represented on those maps that you have. So when you see the news, it is, it is so cool. Seriously, when you like, you know, when you, however you do the news, start your cup of coffee in the morning. I start with a monster, typically, or um, some type of caffeinated beverage that's over 300 milligrams. And I will look at the news, and instantly I go, that's Japheth, that's Ham. Oh, that's, that's Ham, that's Ham. Now, when we, as we close here tonight, I know that you might have maps. Maybe you've studied this before, and you might have some maps showing, well, I thought Ham, I thought Ham's descendants were also here. It's like, that's not heresy, that's not anything. You're going to have maps over periods of time because this is the Babylonian Empire, this is the Grecian Empire, and the lines moved, and this is the It's When you look at 99% of all of it, all crisscrosses, those are descendants of Ham, those are descendants of Japheth. Shem is the line of the Semite people. Everyone okay? So these maps might have changed. Like even the Babylonian Empire, they might change a little bit. No, no, I thought there were three more miles to the southeast. It's like, you know what? Okay, all right, all right. Maps could have changed over six, uh, a couple thousand years ago. But just understand, in general, these are the areas that the Bible's referring to. And he says, oh, I love this. Jesus said, I command you to know this. Command you. Isn't that cool? It's, it's okay to know this, everyone. I don't care how young you are. It, it's okay to know this. Quiz your Sunday school teacher on Sunday morning. Do you guys know where ham comes from? Don't say sausage and bacon. But when you actually... <laughs> But you can study ham, and it's just—it's in the Bible. Even your teachers at school, when they give you certain geography, just start thinking there. Ham, Japheth, Shem. It's Bible. It's Bible. It's Bible. Bible's happening everywhere in the news today. Bible's happening everywhere. You guys get this tonight? All right, let's stand. And we'll take a break before we start part three. <laughs> I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. It's okay. I appreciate you guys and your just a hunger for your word. It's God's word, isn't it? It's God's word. Some people have asked me in the past was I go different places or even do Bible studies and when I pastored a church and we Wednesday nights we did notes. I mean, we just notes, 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 notes. I find it's people actually like God's word in their hand. I could get up here and just talk forever and just boom, 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 boom. You're going to go, eh, forget it, whatever. But when you say, when you saw it, right, in black and white here tonight, like, oh my goodness, those are the nations that are surrounding Israel. And Jesus said, as in the days of Noah. And Ezekiel said, let's go back. And he went forward. It's like, oh, it's happening. Father, thank you for your word tonight. Thank you for those who've come to hear. Because it says, let, if he wants to hear, let him hear what the Spirit is saying to them. 
Open up our eyes and ears of our understanding, Father, even tonight. How exciting is it is to see the Bible taking place right now? Father, I pray for an excitement for everyone here tonight. Go, I had no idea this was in the Bible. I had no idea every single day when I watched the news, this was spoken of by the never wrong prophet. These guys are never wrong. And it's, it's, even being, it's even being cemented here today, God, as we look at the news that these guys were never wrong. And we can trust God's word for the days which we're living in today. If they were right about that, what else did they have to say about the time of the end? You said to know your word. It'll give us peace at night when we sleep. Father, I pray for anyone right now who's anxious about tomorrow. Be gone in Jesus' name right now. Who has anxiety and fear, not just about the rapture or the time of the end events, but Father, maybe about where your kids are going to school because there's people coming up against them. It says, the Bible says, they're not gonna like you because they said they hated Jesus, so they're gonna hate you for being righteous. Father, I pray about people who are worried from the Department of Defense and from the military and even some, a lot of the jobs that are going on with the automotive industry right now in Jesus' name. Father, I pray that you make a way where there doesn't seem to be a way. Father, I pray when faced with all these different things that are going on, you're going to say, you know, it's not a sin to do this and it's okay if you want to do this, but Father, I pray that for that check in their spirit and I thank you that they're listening to the Holy Spirit about these things. Father, But because of certain things, I pray even the decisions about the vaccine, not to be vaccinated. Father, these one things, they're not the sin. It's not the, these are signs. These are signs. But I pray for those people who say, man, I need to take this and I, I just feel God's saying, okay, it's like, God, protect them then. That's okay, protect them. Father, for those, I, for those who are not taking it, Father, protect them as well. But Father, most of all, give us wisdom about what the days ahead hold for each other. Let us stay unified as the body of Christ inside of this church and lift each other up. And Father, when one is slipping away in sin, not in something like, oh, well, I wouldn't watch that. In sin, Father, may we love them enough to step into their life and say, hey, hey, let's go out to lunch and let's talk about this. Father, may we encourage one another at such a time as this about the end time events. It says to encourage one another, as Paul told the church in Thessalonica. As John said in Revelation, he said, man, blessed are we to hear about this because we know what tomorrow holds for us. And tomorrow holds for us another day with Jesus. And you've given us another day to go make disciples and to go be a witness to wherever you've called us to be. So wherever the soles of our feet shall tread shall be yours for the glory and the kingdom of God. Yeah. Father, be with us tonight as we go. In Jesus' name, everyone said... Amen. Amen, everyone. We'll see you tomorrow night. See you tomorrow night. Amen.